All right, everyone, welcome to a special type of episode, I guess we could call it. We're going to be calling it episode nine, though. Here with myself, James, we got Chris, as always. What's up, dudes? And we got a special guest, George, of the blog as well. Um, he's he's a writer, and he's actually coming on to assist me with editing as well, the pieces you guys read from us. Um, so, yeah, George, welcome on. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to join the show and uh, talk playoffs. Heck yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, George says this show is all about the playoffs. We're giving our predictions, previews, dark horses, best bets. We're going to get a little degenerate in this podcast today. But um, so you guys will be listening to this, I think, July 27th is how that will work. And like I said, episode nine, George, jersey number nine, Devils history. Who you got? Give us a player. I'll go with most recently, uh, now Arizona Coyote, Taylor Hall. Hart. Trophy winner, we all love. Well, I love Taylor Hall. Seems like some fans got a little iffy there at the end, but that's a good pick. Um, mm-hmm. I got a little, little bit of ways. He was a, uh, you could say, a bust of a signing. Marty Havlat wore that number for a year. The ex-Shark came over to the Devils for a little bit. Chris, who you got? I'll just mention the obvious one, Parise. There you go. Fan favorite still, in my eyes. Yep. All right, good stuff. We're going to move on now. A quick more on down on what to expect this episode. Current news, as always, throw some news at you. Not much going there. And then we're going to jump right into our preview and predictions for the round robin play, then previews and predictions for the qualifying round. And then we're going to do like a little tiny segment on like dark horse teams, our overall predictions of who's going to make the cup, all that fun stuff. And then we're going to end it with a new segment called Bar Down Bets. That's an exciting one if you're into gambling. So, um, all right. We'll start her off, give you some news real quick. First thing, Julian Melchiori, who served in a pretty big defensive role for the Binghamton Devils in their resurgence this year, signed a contract with a KHL team. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. Um, last, Just to give you guys a little insight on how Melchiori was last year for Binghamton, 17 points in 61 games. Um, more of his defensibilities were what good. Like I said, played a good role. He's up there in age in terms of minor league guys. I think he's near in his 30s. But, um, yeah, so he's moving on to the KHL. Wish him all the best there. Probably the biggest news that came out this week and the big news that's came out in a while in the NHL is the 32nd franchise. Its name was announced. It, they are going to be called the Seattle Kraken. Um, they released their color schemes, their logos, jerseys, all that. Fire. Yeah, they're great. Um, I like them. I know Chris loves them. George, do you like them? I'm Sweet. sure you've seen them. Yeah, Sweet. you like them as well. Yep. Uh, I don't think we've actually posted pictures of what the jerseys look like on our page. we got to do that. A lot of the they, gear looks real sweet, too. Like Bauer showing concepts for gloves and stuff. Just looks great. I mean, it, it was dominating our Twitter feed, so I'm not sure. I think there's probably a f- only a few people have missed that jersey. Yeah, they're sweet. Um, but, yeah, that's good stuff. I think pretty cool name. It'll be fun to see. There's no way they're going to replicate what Vegas did, but we'll see how that goes. Who knows, um, man? So, all right. Um, we got a couple more awards finalists. The final three trophies, the three finalists were named um, for the Selkie, or should we call it the Patrice Bergeron Award. Um, Bergeron's a finalist. Sean Couturier and Ryan O'Reilly. The Norris Trophy, best defenseman, John Carlson, Victor Hedman, and Roman Yossi. And the Hart was actually a three that were named for the Lindsay finalists as well, which I don't think that happens all too often. But the Andre title, Nathan McKinnon, and Artemi Panarin are the three there. George, if you want quick, give us who you think out of those three should take the Selkie, Norris, and Hart. 
Yeah, so for the Selkie, uh, I would go with Sean Couturier. Agreed. Um, simply because I'm, I'm giving O'Reilly the Lady Bing. Um, but mm-hmm. Sean Couturier, great course four numbers, more points than Bergeron, um, went plus 18 on the year, and uh, plus O'Reilly won last year. So I think Sean Couturier is a good pick. Um, yep. Hart, I want to go McKinnon okay. because the Avalanche were standout team. He's the best player. I think he's the most valuable player in the league. And, well, I mean, Connor McDavid, but, you know, as far as pulling a team, McKinnon definitely deserves that. And then, did you say Ted Lindsay? Norris, the last one, out of the okay. Carlson, Hedman, Yossi. Yeah, Norris. My Norris pick is kind of uh, contra- controversial. I'm going with Roman Yossi. And I know yeah. the there obvious There you pick. go, man. We have the same three on the episode. Right. Uh, we had our award episode. I said the same three. I love Yeoman, uh, Roman Yossi and what he did. Go ahead. Chris, uh, yeah, actually, I'm kind of curious. I know maybe you've explained this on the pod before, um, your explanation for Yossi. But I, I know Carlson's the obvious pick. But the thing is, like, Yossi logs pretty much, like, more than 25 minutes a game <laughs> on, a, on a worse team than Carlson. He's got better Corsi 4 numbers than Carlson. And the Preds' offense stinks compared he to— He led their team in scoring by, like, 20 points in his yeah, defense. Yeah, he, he led the team in points, right? Yeah, by a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he's—he had better plus-minus, and I know that's a disputed stat, but Nashville was a worse team, so I just think— Yossi was uh, more, more key for the Predators yeah. Yeah, than, than Carlson was for the Capitals. So that's why I'm giving it to him. But, no, uh, I totally I, I agree hear there. Your, yeah, I want to hear your rationale. No, the same thing. You nailed everything. Um, like I said, we talked about this a few episodes ago, but I gave all the same reasoning. The time on ice, the point total for a defenseman, like how he led his team by that many points, but all the same stuff. So... Yeah, good stuff there. Um, Seems like we're on the same page. Without further ado, we're going to move on to our first set of previews and predictions. So, George, I'm going to turn this over to you once again. Just basically explain to the listeners. I'm sure they already know how this is going to work. But give us the four teams in each conference that are going to be taking apart in this round-robin play and basically how it's going to work. Yeah, so I'm sure you guys are all very excited. Um, In the East, we have Boston, Tampa, um, Washington and Philly in that order. Um, they're going to play each of each other. So they'll each play three games. Um, they're going to take one day off in between. So it's it's basically, you know, how the, the playoffs are going to take place August 1st through 9th. So August 1st, they're taking off. Second and third are round-robin games. Fifth and sixth are round-robin games. They get the fourth and seventh off. And then eight and nine, they're playing round-robin games. Gotcha. So even if uh, the uh, qualifying round series don't go to five, we'll have round robin games throughout the uh, first couple weeks in August. So that'll be exciting. And then in the West, um, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas, definitely going to be very competitive over there. So, you know, it's, it's exciting times and um, we're going to get into some picks here or. Yeah. Um, no, you did a pretty good job. Uh, just let, letting us know who's going to be part of it and the scheduling. I, I didn't know the scheduling before this, so I know now that they're going to blend it nicely. So we'll have hockey all those days, no matter what. And just so everyone's clear, 
after they play each other, the team out of four in the order, that's how they're seeding. Isn't that correct? That's mm-hmm. how they'll be seated. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So what we're basically going to uh, do now, we'll start East. We're going to talk about the four teams, a little bit about them, and then we're going to rank them one through four, how we think they're going to be seated. We're going to start with Boston here. And out of the four teams, Boston has the best goaltending. Um, and that's thanks to Tuka Rask. You could ar- uh, argue Tampa Bay as well with Vasilevsky. But um, the five five on five save percentage, um, it's actually a whole percentage point higher. Boston's Corsi numbers and expected goal numbers are a little less than that of Tampa. Um, they got the edge on Washington and Philly. Uh, and Boston's just got the firepower, that first line with Pasternak. Their first line's Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marshan, right? They have them all on the top line. Yeah, they yep. play together. Yep. Yeah, so just that top line. They got guys on the um, – Charlie McAvoy, he's healthy, right? Yep. Yeah, yep, he is. McAvoy, Krug, Rask. Um, yeah, they're, they're a unit of a team. You guys have any more you want to say on Boston? Well, uh, did you see what Tory Krug tweeted out today? Yeah, that was – yeah. So Go ahead. You, guys, you guys should know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tory Krug is uh, going to be a free agent after this year. And he basically um, said in an interview, and it was tweeted out, um, that you know he's going all in with this team, even if it might be the last run with the Bruins. Um, that he's you know ready to go. So we'll see. I think the Bruins are the team to beat in the uh, the entire tournament. So should be fun. It's understandable, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's Chris, you have anything on Boston? Uh, I mean, it's very easy to pick them as the favorites. Um, you know, they made it to the Cup Finals last year. Not much turnover in terms of the mm-hmm. roster. Um, they got better too. You know, they, they, they got better. They, they, they. Uh, I mean, there is some changes. So Achari is in Florida now. Um, I think it's Heinen is out in Anaheim now. They got Kashe back in that deal, uh, which yeah, is a solid pick. That was a great, Kashe can stay great healthy. Pickup. That's that's the Kashe, big thing. And they uh, they gave up Richie. Yeah. For, so who who else did they get other than Kashi? Uh, was Charlie Coyle last year? Or yeah, Charlie Coyle was last year. year. They got him from uh, Minnesota, I believe. So mm-hmm. he's still there. So a little bit of some changes, like further down. But um, I mean that I remember the Kashi trade. That's that's great as long as Kashi can stay healthy because that was kind of his issue out in Anaheim. He was struggling a little bit with that. So it's it's very easy to go with the Bruins as the favorite. Although I, they're probably the team. I won't say that I want to see win the least, but they're not at the top of my list of teams I'd want to see win. So, Yeah, they're just going to be so reliant on that defense there. They have the least um, – their defense does a really good job. I know Rask is great in that, but he's not often – he's not often like two under fire. Their and you got a good backup goal, situation too. Yeah, their expected goals against is the lowest out of these four teams, um, 1.98. It's one of the best in the whole entire league. Um, like I said, goaltending is great. Defense is really solid, and you have the firepower up front to be successful as well. All right, we'll move on to Tampa now. Tampa, you know, they have the firepower. They just seems like they haven't been able to put it together with the crazy nonsense that happened last year to them um, with losing and getting swept by the Jackets. Um, go ahead, Chris. You can start here with Tampa. So uh, I think that there is definitely a fire under Tampa this year. Um, they are well aware of what happened last year. Uh, obviously pretty embarrassing the way they went out after the season that they had. Um, the curse of the president's trophy, very real, even still. I, I don't know what you can pick about this team that isn't helpful to this run. 
Um, and I know we said that last year, but I, I don't see that happening twice in a row, you know? Yeah, I don't either. Um, George, Tampa? Yeah, I'm excited for Tampa. You know, they're definitely going to come out with the fire after losing, getting swept last year. And plus, you know, Blake Coleman is probably going to play on like their third line. And oh, he's yeah. the type of guy that doesn't need crowd noise to just go absolutely crazy on the four check. Like, I'm, I'm definitely predicting a big playoffs out of him. Um, so, yeah, Tampa's good. Actually, I'm kind of wondering how far do they have to go for John Cooper to keep his job? Oh, he's safe now. I, I think I that whole thing was just blown out safe. of portion. Really I think, think he was so? safe during. The, yeah, I think he was With safe during team? the year too. But let's yeah, say I'm, let's say they're out in first or second. Okay, then maybe that's when you could get a little <laughs> sticky. Um, we've seen in years past where coaches they're really good in the regular season, they lose in the first round a couple of years, and they get booted. But I, maybe if it happens again this year, but I really don't think it's going to happen. That team's too good. Vasilevsky in between the market's the patient too. It's not like the New York market or something like that. Yeah, it's also Tampa. I think he's fine unless something really, really ugly happens, but I don't foresee that happening. I mean, he hasn't lost the locker room, which is key, so. Right. Yeah, that's huge. Speaking of losing locker rooms, New York Jets, Adam Gase, well acquainted with that man, but Jets fans are having a fun time with that. Let's anyway, go Giants. Um, on to the Washington Capitals. The Capitals are an interesting team. We know, like these teams, all very talented rosters, but their big question mark is in between the pipes. Braden Holtby yep. has been terrible this year, and I am very, very intrigued to see which idiotic team is going to drop like $8 million a year on him in the offseason. Uh, barely a 900 save percentage this year. Mr. Ilya Samsonov has basically taken the reins there and taken the number one role. And if he's the number one role in the playoffs, I think Washington has a really good chance to keep going. But if they're going to rely on Holpe, I don't think they're going to get really far. Um, not not really far, but like as far as a team like Washington should go. I, I don't know if you guys understand what I'm saying or not. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Washington's loaded, and I think it's just more of a question of Holtby's going to start the playoffs. Um, it's a question of whether you get playoff Holtby, like in the past, or if you're going to get regular season Holtby. That's that's basically what it is. And it, I think sort of similar to uh, first Mets game of the season, Diaz on a short leash, Holtby will be on a short leash as well. Let's so, go Mets. Yes, yeah, so let's go Mets. Um, George, Washington yeah, Capitals. I, I pretty much agree with all that. Definitely some uh, some cause for concern with Holpe, but um, I definitely think like out of all the teams in this this side of the round robin, like Washington, you know they probably have the the least fire right with Boston losing in the cup last year. Tampa getting swept like and you know Philly Philly was on fire before the season paused. Um, they definitely want it too. So I, I don't know how it's going to work out for Washington with this, but I'm actually I think I'm picking yeah I'm picking them to come in fourth in this round robin. Ooh wow yeah, that's right. that's uh yeah that's interesting. All right. All right. Um. So we'll move on to Philly, the last team, and I absolutely hate the Philadelphia Flyers. I hate them more than I hate the New York Rangers. Um. I just absolutely despise them. I think I've said this many times on the pod already. Yeah, we mentioned and it's I geographics. Think, 
I think their whole run has been a fluke, and I'll keep saying it until they lose. I'll, I'll keep saying that if they make a run to the Stanley Cup Finals and losing Game 7, I'll say, oh, it was all fluke. See, I told you so. But, um, yeah, so Philly, I they're, even when you look at their numbers in comparison to these other teams, they actually check out pretty well. Philly relied on a really, really stout defense this year and um, solid goaltending, decent goaltending by Mr. Carter Hart. Uh, and they have the power up front with Giroux, Horchek, all those guys up front. Um, I just really still don't think they have enough to compete with these other bigger teams down the road here. Um, guys, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, Vigneault was able to get the most that he could out of them during the season, including that run they had up the standings right before everything kind of paused. Uh, it's just, you know, a factor of if he can get that out of them still. And we've seen him do this with other teams, the Rangers, Vancouver. Uh, he's made it to the finals. He hasn't won. Um, we'll see. I, I I don't think that the Flyers are a team that will win it. I don't think they'll go all the way. But I do think they are a dangerous team that could easily be overlooked. Yep. Um, yeah. George, I pretty, much, I pretty much roundly agree with all that. And, uh but yeah, Philly. Philly's gonna be a tough team to beat. They actually have. I included this in the uh, round robin article. They have their best possession statistics against Boston. Um, even though they lost two of those games in their three matchups, they actually uh, dominated Corsi four statistics. So we'll see how they match up against Boston. Uh, whatever, five months late, five months later, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and I know regular season games. Uh, I think you could use them in somewhat, but you go look at the, uh, how the Devils last time they're in the playoffs. They dominate Tampa Bay in the regular season. They beat them what three times or three and zero against them, and then once the playoffs came around, we all know what happened. But same thing happened with LA in uh, 2012. We we beat them both times we played them, and then we lost the finals, <laughs> unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes that's how that just works. So that's the little previews, like uh, previews there for each of these teams in the East. So now we're going to rank them one through four. George, I know you said you have Washington last, and I agree with you as well. I have them in my fourth as well. Um, go ahead, give us your top three. George. So after that, I'm putting Philly in third, Tampa second, and Boston first. Okay. I think Boston's going to beat Philly and Tampa. Um, I think Washington's going to struggle with Boston and Tampa as well. So, I don't know. I just, like I said before, I think Washington probably has the least amount of fire coming into this playoffs, and I think that might hurt them, especially with the bad goaltending or goaltending struggles, I should say. But, um, yeah, so that's why I'm going with that ranking. Gotcha. Um, So, I put Tampa 1, Boston 2, Philly 3. I really think Washington, Braden Holpe, that's going to get a little messy. And Ilya Samsonov hasn't – I don't think he has any playoff experience at all under his belt. I mean, if he gets acclimated well and they let him run with the starting job and they realize, hey, Holpe doesn't have it anymore for some reason, I think Washington performed better here. I got Philly third. And the thing that just put Tampa over Boston for me is um, – the hungriness of them getting embarrassed last year. I think they're going to come out firing. And I think their roster, when you look at Tampa and Boston side by side, Tampa has more talent. Chris, who do you have? Um, I'm basically the same as you, James. I got uh, Tampa one, Boston two, Flyers three, and Caps four. Oh, look um, at this. Bruins and Flyers, I kind of I, I view them very closely, but I gave the Bruins the edge for goaltending and just the experience. You know, they have a lot of guys on the roster who have made those deep runs and have been there for a long time. So when you look at the experience, you can't ignore that. But I do agree Tampa is going to have a fire lit under them. I think they're 
even more loaded than they have been in recent years. Um, I, I will be stunned if they somehow blow this again. Yeah, and I just want to add that Tampa went 0-3 versus Washington in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're probably going to bring a, a big-time edge uh, in that game. That'll be the second game out of the Eastern Conference round, Robin. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's the East. We're going to move on to the West now. Um, last bit of round, Robin, previews and predictions here. First thing we're going to talk about is St. Louis. And I was really surprised looking at St. Louis's numbers. Um, they're like, when I evaluated these teams like these teams, um, I looked at their advanced stats. And then I also went, and of course, look at roster scoring and stuff like that. So you got to take advanced stats and always look at the team and how you know they play and all that stuff. St. Louis's numbers are not pretty advanced. I mean, they're not bad, but for a team of St. Louis's caliber, they're not where you would think they're supposed to be. Um, their expected goals is below 50, and 50 is, of course, like the the complete average. Their goaltending is pretty solid, and that's what they relied on a lot this year with Bennington. And uh, Jake Allen had a really good year. Not a lot of people are talking about that. But you got to think Vladimir Tarasenko is coming back. They're getting healthier like a lot of these teams. So... St. Louis, they're going to be St. Louis, and I think they'll still be okay. Um, Chris, what do you have here? Yeah, I mean, St. Louis, it, it's they still got Baruby. They still got that, that system. Um, again, similar to the Bruins, they do have that experience of knowing what it takes to get to the finals. You know, not originally having Tarasenko for the playoffs, and now all of a sudden you do just because of how everything worked out. That's huge as well. Um, regardless of how the, the system is being played, you know, Tarasenko is a major offensive weapon, whatever system you put him in. So that's a huge benefit to them, too. And their blue line is still very, very good. Uh, I know, like, Edmondson's not there anymore, but you still have guys like Petrangelo and Petra- uh, Colton Pareko, excuse me. Uh, and then as long as Bennington just keeps playing the way he has, I mean, it's it's hard not to like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Good I stuff. think there's no reason to believe that St. Louis is going to play uh, any worse than they did in the regular season. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so that's St. Louis. going to move on now to Colorado. Um, George, go ahead. Talk about Colorado first here. Yeah, so Colorado, good young team. Um, just probably one of the best defensive outlooks out of – any team in the NHL, especially with Kale McCarr, Calder Trophy nominee. Um, so I really like Colorado. I have them finishing second um, in this tournament, especially with the addition of Kadri on the wing. That should help in their scoring. Um, so I, I like Colorado. Um, I don't think they're going to have an issue against Dallas um, or Vegas for that matter. So... What do you guys think? Yeah. So for Colorado, their goaltending numbers are sneaky good. And I was kind of like surprised because when you think Colorado, you think they're high powered offense and their goaltenders have been really solid this year. And their defense, when you look at like the actual players they had back there, besides McCarr, none of the names really jump at you. I mean, Eric Johnson's a pretty solid player. But Gerard, I mean, Cole. yeah, it's a lot of young guys that you wouldn't really think are at their potential yet. But, I mean, they're getting the job done. And then, of course, you have a healthy Rantanen and a healthy Landeskog, too, up front. So they're positioned really nicely. Um, Chris, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge that McKinnon's not having to basically carry the team anymore um, because of the fact that Landeskog and Rantanen were out for such a long time. Um, I think that it's going to be a a test for them. I don't think it's going to be easy 
in the playoffs. Um, I think they're very highly skilled offensively, but can they hold up to the physical play that comes along with the playoffs? And just as it gradually starts beating you down and, and, and it being an expanded playoff format, I'd be interested to see if they can withstand that. And Cadre, uh, like George mentioned, is a good depth ad, but uh, we do know he's had some not so smart decisions in the playoffs in the past. So hopefully yeah. uh, for Colorado, that doesn't end up happening again in some shape or form. That's an interesting question, but they do have the strength and size on defense. Uh, they're a fast paced team. I, I think this dude. is going to be, yeah, I think this is going to be the coming out party for Colorado. Um, I think they, they haven't had much playoff success in the past. I think this year is going to change. Yep, so that's Colorado. We're going to move to Vegas now, and I absolutely love Vegas, and I'll talk about them more later. But their expected goals this year was 56.07, which is just a really, really high number, and it's by far the best in the league, and it was by like three whole points. Um, their only thing is their goaltending. Flurry was not great this year, but then they tr- went and traded for Robin Leonard. So they fixed that. I feel like they're only kind of, you could call it a weakness there. They're electric offensively. Defensively, they do fine. And now they have the, the goaltending to back it up with Leonard. Um, if Flurry still doesn't pan out, but uh, I, I absolutely love Vegas. So you guys, Vegas, Vegas fans and I am, you guys not so into them. What are, what are you guys thinking? I'm pretty big on Vegas. And uh, I mean, going back to the Leonard deal, I think if Chicago knew how the playoffs were going to be, you wouldn't see that deal possibly happening. I think Vegas is hungry, just like Tampa is, because unlike Tampa completely choking it, um, depending on how you view it, the Knights feel they were completely robbed of their playoff experience last year against the Sharks with the infamous major penalty with the Sharks coming back, forcing overtime. Uh, the Knights ended up being able to force overtime and stuff, but they're, they're still definitely uh, holding a grudge with that and, and looking to come out with a fire for sure. So. Yeah, totally George. agree with that. Totally agree with that that fire that they're going to have after uh, losing to San Jose in that fashion. But um, main thing for Vegas, I think uh, after firing Gallant, which I didn't totally understand, that had to be a big-time wake-up call for the team. And so I would actually really like to see Vegas um, you know, do well in this playoffs, and I think that they will. Um, solid offense with Carlson <laughs> and um, – Trying to think, March so yeah. So yeah, I, I like Vegas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like Vegas, and um, they got a pretty sound team. And so long as Flurry plays like he usually does in the playoffs, they should have no issue. Yeah. Um, so that's Vegas. And last team here is Dallas. Um, Dallas, we know, is just very reliant on their defense and net minding. Their save percentage at five on five was incredible. Um, they don't give a lot up defensively, but they don't create a lot um they don't give up a lot defensively they don't create a lot offensively their leading scorer only had what like 50 points or something like that or 40 something points so uh yeah dallas will be interesting to watch what do you guys have here another team with an interim coach um i think dallas is probably a couple pieces away i think it's a team that's still being pieced together um obviously they have some solid defensive players Heiskanen, um, who else it back there? Klingberg, yep. So Dallas, Dallas is a solid team. Ben Bishop. And with Ben Bishop big. in net, yeah. So Dallas will be good, but I still think that they're going to be bested by the other three teams in this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. What do you guys think? 
I think it's um, basically status quo for Dallas. It's, you know, the same two question marks. What Jamie Benn and what Tyler Sagan are you going to get? Are you going to get the ones that you're paying all the money for? Or are you going to get ones that, you know, are missing the mark a little bit? I think that's really going to determine their run. Um, because yeah, that's going to affect their depth players as well, basically. Yeah, it's all question marks and offense. They were like insanely bad offensively this year, and it doesn't really make sense because they got the power up there. Um, but something has to give, and we'll see. Um, George, I'm in agreement with you. I have Dallas as my last team. I have Vegas number one, Colorado number two, and St. Louis number three. Those are my top four. Chris, who do you have? So I have Knights one, Blues two, Avs three, and Stars fourth. Okay, so we flipped our two and three, and George. I have the Blues at one, but I could see Colorado finishing first. Okay. I have Colorado second, Vegas third, and Dallas fourth. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's our little preview and predictions there for the round robin play. We dropped an article today when we're recording it. This is we're recording on Friday, July twenty fourth. George wrote the article, basically previewing the round robin play a lot more in depth than we went in. So definitely give it a read if you want to hear more about it. We really just kind of glazed over the teams and gave our predictions, but make sure you check that article out. We're going to move on to now our chunk of this episode and preview and predict the qualifying round. As you all know, um, the NHL set it up this way to get more teams involved. There's a 5-12 matchup, 6-11, 7-10, 8-9, both in the East and West. We're going to first talk about the Eastern Conference matchups. We're going to start with 5-seeded Pittsburgh versus 12-seeded Montreal. George, kick off this matchup for us. What you got here, what you're thinking. Give us your insight. Okay, so I was hoping you guys might have an update on this because I heard last Monday that Pittsburgh players had been sidelined, and it wasn't like a small amount of players. It was like nine Penguins players were sidelined yeah. and related to COVID-19. So I don't have any updates on that. Do you guys? I know I, don't I saw either. Crosby skated like a day or two ago. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there's any issue there anymore. I feel like we would have definitely heard more about it. And when I read it, it was a precautionary thing. It was like someone, it was like someone they knew who knew somebody who knew somebody was in contact with someone with COVID. Okay. So they were just Similar being really, Tampa. really cautious. Like they just gotcha. shut it down for a week and now they're back. Gotcha. Yeah, so I don't think that's an issue. All right, um, so knowing that, I'm taking Pittsburgh in three. Um, I think there's a stacked team. I wrote about this in my article, Pittsburgh, they were dealing with injuries all season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look at the guys, it's not like their role players. It's like their key players, Crosby, Malkin, Dumoulin, um, and, and more, and Gensel. Um, so they'll have those guys back. I think there's no reason they shouldn't beat Montreal in this series. And uh, I get the argument, you know, what if Carey Price turns it on? But still, I, I think the Penguins are going to roll them. So what do you guys think? Um, so it, I found it really interesting and I, and I know it has a lot to do with Pittsburgh not being fully healthy, but when you compare the two teams, um, when we're looking at advanced statistics, Montreal has the edge and like Corsi for Corsi, Corsi against per 60 expected goals, all that stuff. They all have the advantage and they're led by Thomas Tatar, who had an unbelievable year. Philip Dano, who's one of the most underrated players in the league. And even price had a, quote unquote down year say percentage was 909 which still isn't bad but for carry price it's not all that good 
you say all that and then you say, are you really going to pick Montreal to upset Pittsburgh in the first round? And no, I'm, I'm not going to. Um, this is maybe mm-hmm. an instance where advanced stats don't tell the whole story and you have to look at both. You got to realize, hey, Pittsburgh were fully healthy. And just looking at the roster, the Malkin, Crosby, firepower, it's it's too much. I, I do think, though, if Tristan Jari, who they're going to have to lead on, uh, lean on, because I don't think Matt Murray is going to be able to, to give them what they need. Jari was really, really good this year. I think he had a 9-2-something save percentage. Jari's going to have to be the guy, and if he can't get live up to the pressure or something like that, I think Montreal has a chance to do something here, but I got Penguins in four. Yeah, I, mean, I got Penguins in four as well. Um, I think Jari actually kind of struggled towards the end of the season, and I think it's a similar boat for really? Washington with Holtby. I think uh, Murray, just because of the playoff experience and the runs you've had with him, you give him a shot, give him a short leash. You know, things don't go the way you're expecting. But um, I would say, you know, the Penguins maybe having a bad game goaltender-wise and Carey Price being able to steal one is why I would push it to four games and pick the Pens mm-hmm. in four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at... So this year, Murray started 38 games and Jari started 33. Jari's save percentage was 9 and Murray's was 8 9 yeah. So I don't... He was no. starting to he was starting to come down a little bit before the the pause in the action. Jari Not was really. yeah, and Murray was starting no, to see I, a little bit more action. Yeah, I had no idea, but yeah, I I think they're gonna have to lean on Jari, but who knows? We'll see. Either way, we all have Pittsburgh moving on. Don't be surprised though if Montreal gives them a little trouble. But um, all right, moving on. Carolina, New York. I feel like this is everyone's upset pick, and I don't see it. But um, so. For me, the Rangers are not nearly as good as everyone's trying to make them out to be. Yes, offensively, they play an exciting style up and down the ice. They move the puck. They have great offensive players in Artemi Panarin, who's a finalist for the Hart and the Ted Lindsay Award. Mika Zibanejad's been great. But their defense is absolutely horrific. Their course against per 60 is the worst in the league. Their expected goals against per 60 is the worst in the league. Whoever's in the net for them is constantly on fire. Yes, their save percentages are pretty high this year. And for that reason, it's the only reason why they're in the spot they are now. Carolina, on the other hand, when you look at their advanced stats, Carolina's always, they got a whole bunch of analytical minds working that front office, you could tell. Because all their fancy stats are really good. Second highest expected goals. Fifth highest, Corsi four. All the good numbers check out. And they also have depth um, forward. Their defensemen are really good. They are banged up on the back end, though, I believe. I think they're getting most guys back. Um, but, yeah. Go ahead, uh, George. What do you have here? Yeah, I uh, I actually disagree. I, I'm going to take New York in this series uh, against my will. But um, <clears throat> New York swept Carolina in the season series for zip. Carolina... People forget they voted against this uh, playoff format. But getting down to the, the nitty-gritty stuff, um, I just think that, that New York has more um, experience up front on offense with Zibanejad and Panarin, um, Kreider, Strom. I, I think that they're going to take it to the Hurricanes because um, – I would say that the Hurricanes relied too much on their first line. Um, their first line had nearly 200 points this season. I think it's Teravainen. Um, who are the other guys? Yeah, Tima Teravainen. Um, Sveshnikov. 
and Sveshnikov. Right, young guys that I think might be bullied against power forwards like Chris Kreider. Um, so, and I get the, the the defensive argument that New York has sort of this shaky defense. But, Their defense um, isn't shaky. It's absolutely horrific. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, really, people, really bad. Some people would have you believe that Adam Fox was a Calder Trophy candidate. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, Fox is great this year, but that's just one guy. And it, right. it's, I know. they just give up way too much. I get but that. No, but, I, I get what you're saying with the Carolina needed balanced attack. And from those yeah. numbers you just said, they're but not balanced. But then you could also make the argument that if this comes down to all right, a shootout, like if this is just a high-scoring series, I think New York probably has better scoring defensemen. Um, with Tony D'Angelo, top five in the team in points, um, Brady Shea on the point for the power play. I think there's a New York team that's probably going to edge the uh, Carolina. Well, Hurricanes. Shea's in uh, Carolina now, right? It wasn't that the deal. I'm sorry, Shea who am I thinking of? Carolina. Truba. Yeah, I yeah, believe Shea's I think, in Carolina now. Yeah, 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 yeah I, was, I was thinking about Truba. But, um, so. yeah, I like the Rangers. And also, getting into goaltending, I think they're probably a little bit stronger. No, they um, are 100% stronger there. Do you, guys um, know, do you guys know if they're going to ride with Shesterkin, Igor Shesterkin in the playoffs? I feel like uh, that's they didn't make an announcement with, yet. Unless yeah, Longquist somehow has a miraculous like bounce back to like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't announce it yet who they're gonna start, but I I would go with Shesterkin as well. He was crazy good during the year. But like go and talk about the goaltending. The Hurricanes five on five save percentage was twenty sixth, which is not good. Um but I I'm still gonna go to the Hurricanes. I think the defense is just too much with the Rangers. But um Chris, who do you have here? Yeah, I'm I'm agree with George here. Um, I, against my will. Uh, Man, you guys it are is going painful, with the, painful the to say this, but I think the Rangers. Upset, huh? I mean, it's it's hard not to. Um, I like their goaltending situation better than Carolina's. Um, and that's that can be the biggest thing in a playoff run. Um, I think that while Carolina is very good, uh, the Rangers are more dynamic with their offense and a little bit a little bit deeper. Not. A crazy difference but a little bit deeper with it mm-hmm. um the main thing is just their defense you know uh it, it's it seems like the answer for their defense has been you know just score more points than you give up you know the old score more points than the other team um i don't know if you get away with that in the playoffs like you could in the regular season so that's that's really where this series kind of hinges on in my opinion is how how is the Rangers defense going to play and can Carolina expose it enough? Because I think up front offensively, the Rangers have an edge. And I think in net, you have Shesterkin and Gorgiev. And then, you know, if Lundqvist somehow gets it together, that's three good goaltenders you have in the playoff run right there. Yeah, it's definitely goaltending is a big part. And you guys are 100% there, uh, correct there with having uh, – New York having a uh, big edge in goaltending, but yeah, I think Carolina gets it done. You guys think the Rangers get it done. So we'll move on to the next matchup of New York and the New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. Chris, go ahead. Start us off here. So I'm going to lean towards the Islanders. It's, it's hard not to. Um, Barry Trotz has a great system. He's shown he's a great coach. Uh, I feel like the Islanders are a team – that you don't really have a necessarily huge superstar like Matthew Barzell is probably your biggest one. And then you guys, you have guys like Anders Lee and stuff like that, but they all just, they work together. Great. They fit together in the system. Uh, the goaltending has turned around since trots has come over. Um, I think that it, it all stems from trots basically behind the bench 
uh, I think that they can edge out Florida. Um, I know Barkov and Huberto are very impressive. Um, I'm not too sure about their goaltending and their defense, to be honest. Uh, I just give the edge to the Isles with the playoff experience of Trots and just put my faith in him. Gotcha. Go ahead, George. I'm agreeing with Chris. Uh, the Islanders are the more sound defensive team, um, more disciplined playoff experience. I think the Islanders are going to take this one. Um, really not much more I have to say about it. Better goaltending, I would say. Even even though they paid Barlamov less, they weren't willing to give Bobrovsky that massive contract. 100% better the, goaltending, uh, the right. Islanders. So, um, But I'm disagreeing with you guys again. I got the Panthers here. Um, ah. The Islanders, I think, are one of the most overrated teams in the whole league. Um, if you go deeper dive into their advanced numbers, their advanced numbers are on par with the Devils. Their Corsi 4 percentage is 29th in the league. Their expected goal is better than Devils, but it's still only 20th. I know they're praised for their stout defense, but they give up the third most shot attempts against per 60 in the whole entire league. So this just tells you how reliant they are on goaltending. And I even looked at their goaltending numbers, and it's 10th best in the league. So I don't really have an answer on why the Islanders are, like, put up good record every year. I know Trotz is an amazing head coach, and he should still keep getting the recognition he does for the job he does with the Islanders. Because the numbers they put out aren't great, but they somehow always get the results. You know what I'm saying? I would say um, the only thing that's like a possible answer to that shot percentage is just where the shot's coming from. Like, are they that, low percentage shots from the outside? You know, getting well, everything outside yeah. like that? Yes. Yeah, so Corsi, the Corsi is just shot attempts. So that could that's a big indicator there, and that's a great point you bring up there but expect the goals do a good job of gauging that um where the shots are coming from and that's 20th in the league so that's still not all that impressive that's why i'm still but that's a great point chris um the panthers themselves aren't crazy good of a team all their numbers are better than the islanders in terms of advanced stats and i like their forward depth more they have a lot of good players there getting that and off mike hoffman are great then you got Huberdo and um, Barkov. Their defense isn't bad either. You got Yandel back there, Ekblad. The thing with them this year, as crazy as it sounds, you spend all that money on Sergio uh, Sergei Burbosky, and he was not good this year. His save percentage was only 900. If he plays even slightly how we're used to seeing Bob play, like the 913, 915 save percentage in the playoffs, I think they have no problem pulling off this upset. I think this series is going to be really, really low scoring just because that's how the Islanders like to play it with their really good net money. But I got the Panthers in five here. Um, And I know you guys both just said you have the Islanders, but that's that matchup that'll be a fun matchup i feel like it's not it's not an exciting one but i think it'll be cool um, I, I agree with you. i think it'll be low scoring low event yeah this uh last matchup here in the east we got the eight seeded toronto versus the nine seeded blue jackets and i think this is the easiest series to predict here out of all these um even yeah, the easier than the just upset it again no, I, I don't think so. But that'd be funny, though. Um, Torts, he did a hell of a job this year with that roster. For sure, yeah. Yeah. I would uh, say I would say it's like the Sheldon Keith Judgment Series because really all it is they they weigh uh, out outmatch uh, Columbus in talent. It's just a matter of whether they can bring the intensity that Columbus will under uh, John Torello's system. So, but I think they will. You know, having being stuffed in the playoffs. Um, pretty much regularly since 
the last decade, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they've Toronto. been begging for Sheldon Key for a while, so you get to yeah. see what you get. You exactly. Know? They're going to have to, the players are going to have to prove that they, they, uh, the head coach firing was warranted. So I think Toronto is going to come out and win this one. I would not be shocked if this series went the distance, though. Yeah, so the biggest advantage that Columbus has over Toronto is goaltending. Toronto was 28th in terms of 5-on-5 save percentage, and Columbus was 5th. And that's crazy to say because Columbus had so many different guys in that. Elvis Merslinkus, that's how you say his last name, or close enough. He was like the great rookie goaltender they had there. He went down. Yosis Corpusalo actually started a year. He also went down, and he was great. It'll be interesting to see if they get this great goaltending in the playoffs, but that'll be a big telling to see if Columbus can pull off this upset. I just think Toronto's firepower is just going to be too much for Columbus, even though Columbus does great defensively. I think that Mitch Marner, John Tavares, all those guys are going to be too much. And I have a sweep here. Toronto in three. <laughs> That's what I'm uh-huh. saying in three, huh? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, Chris? I mean, I, I, I picked Toronto as well. Um, I could see the Jackets forcing it to five. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the Leafs will have the firepower to get through it. The Leafs just scare me from like the clips I've seen on Instagram of them practicing, like mostly Austin Matthews highlights. <laughs> like the dude, he may so have had COVID, but he is ooh, he is ready to play, man. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to their goaltending, I think that, that I think Anderson is going to be a great goalie for them through the playoffs. I think their struggles were just the same as last year, not really having a backup, like an answer behind him. You know, you need to let Anderson rest. And then on top of it, a similar situation with the Rangers, you know, how good is that, that defense? You know, you put all your money into the forwards. Um, Tyson Berry is going to be a free agent, I believe at the end of the year, and they're probably not going to be able to afford to keep him. You know, I think it's a combination of those two things really uh, paints a negative picture on Toronto's goaltending. But I think as long as Freddie's on top of his game and, you know, if Toronto can just overload on offense, I think they got a good shot. Yeah, that's an absolutely terrific point there. Those goaltending numbers are heavily deflated because of how uh, horrific their backup was this year. Freddie Anderson playoffs, I don't, you don't have to rely on a backup that much. So that issue yeah. should be fixed there. And I think we're all in agreement here. We got Toronto. Okay, moving on to the West here. First matchup we're going to talk about, Edmonton the 5 seed and Chicago 12. I'll start off here because this is my biggest upset in the whole thing. I got Chicago wow. pulling the upset over Edmonton. I don't. I could definitely see it not happening. I just get a little fun here. But um, Edmonton, I feel like, out, like shattered everyone's expectations of them coming in. I remember in the beginning of the year, we were all making jokes of how bad their forward depth. I mean, you're sending guys you didn't even hear of before on these on this team's like third line before the season started. Um, looking at their underlying numbers, it tells a story of a team that overachieved. Their the underlying numbers aren't pretty, and Chicago, a team that people don't think are as good, um, they they have the edge and absolutely all of them and when you just look at Chicago offensively even defensively I think they have more depth when you're looking at um, their defense Chicago's defense was a lot better than everyone thought it was going to be Crawford was surprisingly good this year at a 918 save percentage and he'll be going head to head if he's healthy and plays with Miko Koskinen who had a 917 save percentage for Edmonton um, so I'm assuming you guys don't have uh, Chicago like me but go ahead, um, Chris, you can start here. Talk a little bit about what you have. Actually, I do. 
Oh, I do. I have High Chicago five. with five. the upset. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's impressive what the Oilers have done. Dave Tippett, I think he he brought in exactly what they needed, which was more structure in the defensive game. Um, I I just I can't not I can't bet against Patrick Kane in the playoffs. I just I can't I can't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, Duncan Keith is is a little bit older. Brent Seabrook's not there anymore. Um, I think, you know, I don't think Chicago will make a run all the way to the finals or anything like that, but I think they could pull off a, a nice upset here in the first round. Uh, maybe uh, coming out show for Kirby Doc, too. Who knows? Yeah, that's fun there. Um, oh, and worth mentioning, I saw before we started filming this, Brent Seabrook's not playing. Um, he's been officially ruled out. I don't think that's big of a deal. Seabrook's on a, a vast decline, but just something worth He's noting. had some pretty serious injuries that kept him out yeah. all year. Go ahead, uh, George. Sorry. Wow, so I didn't know Seabrook wasn't playing actually, but um, that's might be even a good thing for the Blackhawks. But it probably means that they're gonna have to. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> yeah, I really think it might be. <laughs> it ahead. probably means that they're gonna have to rely on uh, younger guys like Adam Bockfist, and I don't think that that defense is underrated. I actually think it's um, very accurately just like not very good. Um, and I think they're gonna struggle in containing Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They traded for Anthony Sayu. I think that that uh, that Oilers offense is probably going to overpower them. I also think um, that the uh, Blackhawks offense doesn't really have much toughness in comparison. Um, when you get older, more experienced guys that can kind of bring an edge, uh, Zach Cassian, to name one, maybe James Neal even, um, I think that the Oilers are going to edge him out in this series. And if if uh, Chicago has any struggles in that, then I think it's going to be a quick one. Yeah, so now if Corey Crawford is rolled out, um, I, I honestly can't even tell you who would be in between the pipes for them. But um, I, I would swap to Edmonton. But if Crawford is healthy and is you playing – got Malcolm I, Subban, man. Is that who's there nowadays? Is that no, who, yeah, that's who went back in the Vegas deal. Yeah, Malcolm Subban. Um, that's – yeah, so Oof. if that's the case, then I'll switch to Edmonton, but I really think Chicago has a great chance to pull upset here if they do got Corey Crawford. Now we're going to move on to the Preds and Arizona, a little John Hines versus Taylor Hall matchup here. Um, I'll start us out here. The Preds are, I think they're just a more talented team, deeper team. Their numbers check out. It's a more talented and deeper team. Arizona, their goaltending masked how not good they actually were this year. You look at their underlying numbers. They... 22nd in expected goals, 26th in Corsi against per 60, which is interesting because they got praised for their defensive abilities, but when they're spewing attempts like this. And now, Chris, like you said before, this might be a big influence on the shot attempts not being all that high of danger. But again, their expected goals aren't as good as should be. I feel like the only way the Yotes actually win this series is their goaltending is like it wasn't during the season, and even then they might have an issue. But you got to think Preds net mining struggled with uh, Rene and Saros. They got to figure that out. But if Rene and Saros are even decent, I think they have no problem getting the job done. I got the Preds in four. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The biggest question mark for the Preds, at least, is will Rene and Saros, will you get you know good production out of both of them? Um, 
hopefully you can run with Renee, but he's getting up there in age and Soros you think would be ready, but it struggled a little bit this year. Um, can Hines put together good lines? Uh, I'll still be scratching my head <laughs> if I nice see. That's my Forsberg. question. Yeah, I'm dropping bars on this podcast. Check it out. Yo, we're about to be number five on the charts. Um, <laughs> can Hines like not put Forsberg on like the third line or whatever? I, I don't know. That was making me scratch my head during the season. And I think the Yotes, you just have too many guys who are underperforming. Um, I mean, Taylor Hall is, is doing all right. He's he's not necessarily your goal scorer. He's he's getting points and stuff. But Phil Kessel underperforming. I feel like Clayton Keller underperforming. And like you they're said, James, their their, their goaltending is really what's what was covering most of it up for most of the year. Even with Kemper out, surprisingly, you know, Auntie Ranta holding the fort. Yeah, uh, George, you got. Uh, I'll listen to the argument for the Coyotes, but I'm definitely on your guys' side with the Predators. Um, yeah. Just much better defense, more experience. More actually, overall. Yeah, I like Chris's point. I think the only guy that can screw this up is John Hines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Arizona is definitely going to have a tough hill to climb, but who knows? If they, if they struggle that much in net with Kessel and Hall, I could see that argument that where, where this series becomes close. Um, yeah, so all we'll about see. goalies here. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think there's much more to say. Um, pretty simple series. I think that's one of the more easier ones to predict. We're moving on to another series that has something riding on it for the Devils, the Vancouver versus Minnesota series. Go ahead, George. Get us started here. This is my upset, which might take you guys by surprise. But now nah, I got uh, mini set too. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, I thought that was kind of a. Uh, that's the word. I, kind of a shocker pick. But, um, yeah, taking Minnesota in this for the depth, experience, grittiness. Uh, they're a team that hasn't gotten over the hump quite literally ever. Um, and so having veterans like Parise, um, Koivu, Suter Zuccarello, on the yeah, and uh, Suter. I think this uh, Minnesota Wild team is going to come out with an edge against uh, a Vancouver team that's young. And, yeah, they're fast, but they're small and not tough. So come playoff time, uh, it's going to be tough for them. I know there's the argument that uh, Markstrom is an outstanding goaltender, and I, I get it, and the uh, and they, they're talented, but I, I like Minnesota in the series. Yeah, um, I'll just piggyback off you because I also have Minnesota. They have this stat and all the advanced stats. Vancouver's only edge I see is their net minding. Um, but when you look closer, you look at Alex Daylock, who had a really good year. He had a 9-10 save percentage. Markstrom's only at 9-18. And the Canucks bleed chances. Um, of course, the against and all those fancy stats show that as well. It's it's a battle of two completely opposite teams. Vancouver's an offense-oriented team that is not too good defense. Minnesota is absolutely stout defensively and have decent goaltending, but their offense isn't all that great. So something has to give, and I'm aside here with a better defensive team and go Minnesota and upset. Agree with you there, George. Chris, you got Vancouver. We are all on the same side here. I got Minnesota as well. City, baby. Shout out Minnesota. Um, State of hockey. 2021 Devils draft pick. They're going to have two first-rounders when Minnesota loses here, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I agree with all the points you guys have made. I think uh, they're the equivalent of Philly in the West in terms of that hot run before everything kind of stopped. 
and it's it's hard not to kind of pull for them at the same time. You know, uh, it's a team that's had its runs, had high expectations, and stuff just seems to not work out for them. Uh, I agree with their their back end is great between uh, Suter, Spurgeon, Dumba, uh, Staylock having a great year as well, and just the veteran leadership like George mentioned. Uh, we're all in on mini this year, baby. All <laughs> in. Let's get it. Yeah, I also think uh, one factor, kind of like Toronto, I think they'll probably be trying to prove that uh, Bruce Boudreau was maybe part of the issue in like their lack of success the last couple of years. So I definitely think they'll come out with a fire. Uh, That's an interesting point too. Yeah. I know a lot. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot. There was a split view here on Boudreaux. <laughs> oh, there definitely was. Yeah. Yeah, Boudreaux is a really solid coach. I'm sorry if I might have not heard what you said. I was... I think I we have different perspectives on Boudreaux. I think uh, I think the Wild are definitely going to be trying to prove that he was maybe part of the problem in their lack of success. Uh, yeah, he's. I I disagree. I I mean, even when he was there, they just weren't getting the wins. They were still putting a really a decent product out in the ice, and Boudreaux has a great track record. But I mean, changing coaches fires teams up. So you you have a point there. All right. All in agreement, Minnesota there. We're going to move to the last matchup, Calgary and Winnipeg. And I've made myself – I think I've talked about this, how I think Winnipeg does not deserve to be anywhere near these teams. Um, their stats, like team stats, some of them are worse than Detroit's were, and we know how Detroit was this year. Their expected goals were dead last, and it was it was horrific. It was like a 37, uh, 37 expected goals. That's over. That's a rate, so not like 37. You know what I'm saying. But their expected goals against per 60 is third worst, so they bleed chances. And the only reason why they are in this position is because Mr. Connor Hellebuck. Now, Connor Hellebuck is that good where he could steal a series, especially a five-game series. But I think this is Calgary's series to take, and I'm very confident. This is probably my most confident of any series there is that Calgary is going to be able to win. I just don't think... Winnipeg has the offensive firepower. It needs to overcome how bad their defense is. And it's all on Hellebuck's shoulder here. No one else is going to be able to help them out. Chris, who do you have? I mean, basically, just like what we said about the New York Rangers, except in the Western Conference, you know, uh, a struggling, struggling defense. Uh, better goaltending, for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, their offense being dynamic as it is, I mean, I wouldn't say they don't deserve to be here i think it's i think it's definitely a question mark as to how um how is yeah, it possible that's probably a better way to phrase it <laughs> but but yeah um i i would lean towards the flames here uh i think they're they're just more spread out in terms of their talent and uh the experience i think you got kachuk who it's always good to have that sandpaper especially in the playoffs um, I love me some Matty Kachuk. I yeah. feel like we talk about this every episode, how me and you absolutely love yes. that kid. Matt, Matt Kachuk <laughs> is like one of the best players in the league. Not not you know like, what? you know, Crosby or like Malkin, but like he's a fun guy to watch play and you just respect how he plays. Yeah, he's great. Uh, George, go ahead. So I get you guys pick because that's where I was initially. And I wrestled with it for a while. I'm actually going to take Winnipeg in this series. Ooh. Go against the grain here a little bit. Uh, this Calgary team. They have seven free agents this summer. I definitely think that they're going to have an entirely new team next year. And, and yeah, they definitely have a great defense as opposed to Winnipeg. But um, I don't know. It's just with Hamonic not playing, apparently the lines were broken up. I don't know if you guys read about that. Uh, yeah. I, I think Winnipeg has more depth offensively. And with Hellebuck and Nat, I think it's hard to pick against them. 
discussed a little bit about um, Hamannick. Hamannick did log a lot of ice time for them, but he was not good this year. He's probably one of their worst defensemen in terms of how Calgary performs when he was on the ice. So I, I get the argument that, that they're, they can be fine without Hamannick. Like, I understand that he might have been, not been the biggest piece or as but he far did as log a lot of ice time for them. He definitely uh, did, um, but I don't know. I think I think uh, Winnipeg has more depth, and I think that's going to take him in this series. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think I, Kamenik's a big piece to be missing. Um, I think the series will definitely be a close one. I don't think it's a landslide either way. Oh, I got but Calgary I mean, in three. Yeah, yeah I, mean, <laughs> I guess James feels that yeah. way. But, I mean, I will say to George's contract year point, you know, there's a lot of dudes who play pretty well on contract years, just saying. Taylor Hall not necessarily doing it, but... Yo, ain't it Cespedes, question mark? A little baseball hey, reference hey. there. Lasering out dingers in the seventh inning. He's, he's, inning. He hit a home run first game of the season, baby. That was a blazer. All right, enough baseball talk. Sorry, boys, but... Um, yeah, so that's our predictions. Um, we predicted and previewed every series there's going to be, round robin and qualifying round. Now, I want to preface this. I very like came off as very confident with these picks. I could be totally wrong with all of them. Uh, Chris could be totally wrong. George could be totally wrong. We could be totally right. But that's all funds with predictions. We'll see. We'll keep tabs here on the My bracket never everyone busts. Does. Not even last year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is that, is I that totally so? called Columbus beating Tampa. You kidding? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be fun. We got baseball back, which is amazing. We get the NHL back, which is amazing. Just glad to have sports back. It's going to be a lot of fun. So now we're going to move on. Just a little quick segment. We're going to give our predictions of East-West champions. We'll do that now. For me, it's Vegas in the West and Tampa in the East. I think Vegas' numbers, I think this year they'll finally be able to get it done. Their numbers are just too good. They even performed better after they fired a coach that shouldn't have been fired, and they somehow even performed better after that. They have Marc-Andre Fleury in between the pipes, who is well-versed in the playoffs. And if he doesn't work out, they have Mr. Robin Leonard, who's been great these past couple years. So I think Vegas gets it done in the West. Tampa, I think they overcome the monsters. They get the fear uh, out of them. They're going to be – Chris, you made this comparison. It was a great comparison. The UVA basketball team, when they lost to UMBC in the next year, they won it all. I think Tampa is going to win it all in the East. George, who do you have? West East champions. Give it to us. Uh, I like that Vegas pick. Um, to be honest with you, it's, it's hard to uh, to pick winners for each conference. But, yeah, you know, it's This is just us having fun. It's totally hard. Yeah, yeah. But I will, I'll give you an answer. I'm going to pick Boston out of the East, which I did last year. I'm going to do it again this year. I think right. uh, they're the best team, and I think they're frustrated that they didn't get it done last year. I think they'll do it this year. Um, okay. I like the Vegas pick. Uh, I might piggyback you on that. I, okay. I don't know Welcome that St. Louis. I don't know that St. Louis is prime for another run. I think uh, Colorado might be a year away, just and not have the same amount of depth uh, offensively as Vegas does. But we'll see. I, I like I like the Vegas pick, and uh, I'm going to go with Boston in the East. Sounds good. Uh, Chris? So I'm on the same page as James here. I, I like Vegas in the West. Just uh, just like I said, they went through that stuff with San Jose last year and this whole season they've, they've made it known. They haven't forgotten about it, and I'm sure management hasn't either. I mean, firing Gerard Gallant when you're still one of the top teams in the league caught everyone by surprise. And, uh, and Tampa out of the East, I think they both have the most hunger 
um, coming out of this because normally you, you don't have this pause and you're kind of whatever team is the hottest. Well, everyone's kind of getting a fresh slate reset right now. So who's going to be the hungriest team coming into this? And it's probably the teams that were scorned the most from last year's playoffs. And that's to me is Tampa and it's Vegas, the two uh, that are feeling most burned by last year. Alrighty. Um, so Stanley Cup picks out of those teams you picked. I'm going Vegas to win it all this year. Um, Chris, do you have Vegas or Tampa? I got, I got the Bolts. Okay. And George, you have Boston or Vegas? I'm going to take Boston. Okay. So that's our uh, predictions there for the East-West and Stanley Cup overall. We'll see uh, how those predictions are. I'm sure they'll be spot on, but we'll see. Um, two dark horse teams. I guess this is a little weird because we just talked about the teams who we thought were going to win. Two teams for me, I have Minnesota and Florida, I guess. Those are my two dark horse teams. I think Minnesota could make a run a little bit. I think they could get past the second round. Once they, or I guess that's technically the first round, if they beat Vancouver, I think they could go even farther than that. Florida, I think if they get past Islanders, that'll be it. But I guess those are my two dark horse teams, if you want to call them. Um, Chris? Yeah, I got uh, Minnesota in the West just like you did. But, man, the Leafs, man, the, the I'm telling you, those Instagram clips, they're, they're <laughs> scaring me a little bit seeing Austin Matthews do work in camp. Okay, um, George, a couple dark horse teams. Yeah, I mean, I took Minnesota like you, but I guess the Winnipeg pick was the uh, the one that was shocking you guys. So maybe maybe them. I don't. I mean, I don't like them to make a run, but I think they're going to beat Calgary in this series. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good dark horse team. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of people are on Calgary, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, two possible disappointments. I have St. Louis here, and I know it's kind of crazy to think, but I just their numbers just don't add up. Their advanced stats and everything when they pulled the win off last year were a lot better than they were this year. I, I feel like they could get bounced a little early. And Pittsburgh is another one. I said I'm still going to pick Pittsburgh against Montreal, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they somehow get upset there, and I think they won't get past the next round. I know they're healthy now, but I, this is just a Pittsburgh Penguins thing. It's kind of like I feel like they're the New England Patriots of the NHL, how sometimes they don't have the most talented roster, but they always find to get it done. Now, I know Sidney Crosby have Kenny Malkin. That's a great duo. But outside of them, you look more down their roster, and I don't think it's as deep as other teams are. But that's just me. Um, George, go ahead. Give us some two possible disappointments. Yeah, my disappointments are going to be Nashville and Carolina. Um, I, I picked Nashville to win the first round series, but I don't think that's a team that's going to go past the first round. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just don't think they have what it takes. And Carolina, I actually think is going to lose the Rangers. So those yep, are my two disappointments. Chris? Yeah, I got the Penguins in the East and the Stars in the West. Um, I will not be disappointed to see the Penguins out of the playoffs, but I think it will be a disappointment given the roster they have and the expectations. Uh that they could have a possible early exit in the second round, let's say, and just underperform by most standards. And then when it comes to the stars, again, it's uh, I just I want Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben to get it done. I want them to prove people wrong, but I'm honestly not sure if that's going to happen. And that to me is why I picked the stars as a disappointment in the West potentially, because yeah. Ben Bishop, you know, can hold down the fort, but he can't score goals. Hey, that's a great, great pick, and I'm going to add them to my two because I'm not big on Dallas as well just because they can't score as well. Um, But, yeah, that's a really solid pick there, Chris. Uh, You guys already heard our upsets. We'll just rephrase them. I had Edmonton over Chicago if Corey Crawford plays, and I know Chris had him as well. Minnesota, Vancouver is another one who all three of us agreed on, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I had individually had Florida over the Islanders, and I didn't predict it. I don't have them as my actual pick, but I think there's a chance Montreal could end up beating Pittsburgh. Um, do you guys have any upsets you guys said you want to bring back up? George and I do reluctantly agree that the Rangers have a very good chance of beating the Carolina Hurricanes, yep. unfortunately. Um, anything else besides that? That's, that's pretty it, much right? it, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's our all preview, predictions, Dark Horse, all that good stuff for these return-to-play games and all that playoff stuff. Um, August 1st, when all the games start, if you guys haven't figured that out yet. We're going to end with the very last segment, Bar Down Bets, baby. Um, this is a thing we actually tried last, was last year, two years ago. It didn't get much traction. I guess we just don't have a lot of generates in our following, which is probably a great thing. I mean... If you haven't already, don't get involved with gambling. It's not. It's 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 a rocky road. But we're <laughs> gonna bring this back. We're going to. Uh, you're gonna hear this more during the season. We're basically gonna talk about betting odds, who we thinks a good bet, try to make you guys some money, try to make ourselves some money. We're now gonna give who we think bets today you can make. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try this out. So for me. One of my bets that I'm – I don't like f- making future bets, but I'd recommend making this bet. Las Vegas Gold Knights place plus 900 to win the Stanley Cup. That means you put 100 bucks on them, you'd get 900 back. Um, for people that don't really understand, 10 bucks you get 90 back. Um, that's how that works. Other picks I have is I think there's pretty good value on the Montreal Canadiens to advance their plus 155. Like I said, I keep bringing back to this upset. I know I didn't pick it, but I think there might be a shot there. And the last one I'll give you guys, who is my lock and who I really think is a very safe bet, is the Calgary Flames to advance. That's a minus 136 odds. So do you guys have bets for us too? Yeah, I'll give you one. Um, okay. I think uh, around the same odds as Vegas to win the Cup is actually Philly. Um, so I think they're a team to win the thing. cup. Yeah, their their odds are probably a lot. Like they're, I'll double check it now. But go ahead, keep talking. I think I think they're around the same area. I think uh, they're a team of destiny with with Lindblom um, fighting cancer this year. The team really rallied around that. They had great locker room chemistry. It seemed like throughout the year, uh, Elaine Vigneault is um, going to be a Jack Adams candidate. So and they were very impressive. Uh, 10 game winning streak, nine or 10 game winning streak going into the break, and Boston was the last team to beat them. So I think there's great value in that. So that's wow. going to be my uh, my NHL future. Yeah, so you're right. So the Knights are listed at plus 800, and the Flyers are plus 1,000. So you put 10 bucks down, you'd win 100. So yeah, that's a good bet. I would hate to see it, but I could see the value there. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'm no uh, expert on the gambling, <laughs> but um, I, I would definitely say uh, that I would entertain uh, putting money down on Minnesota in their, at least their entry round. Um, and then maybe even, you know, just for fun all the way. Um, the Leafs as well. Basically, my dark horse is that I would be comfortable with putting money down on them depending on, you know, what the odds are saying in certain predicaments because I know you got your game bets, your series bets, playoff bets, and then you got like all sorts of prop bets like, yeah, you know, goals per game. Yeah, there's tons of stuff. But overall, I I would kind of focus on Minnesota and Toronto, see what the the odds are for certain things with them, and those would be the ones I would be most comfortable putting money down on, anything involving those two teams. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's all good value and stuff there. I'd agree as well. I think Minnesota has a great chance in that series. Like I said, this is a little fun thing. Um, I feel like if, if I don't know how many listeners actually gamble and bet on sports, but maybe it's something we'll revisit during the year. Just like uh, who's looking good tonight to throw a couple bucks on to try to make some money. We'll see how that goes. But, boys, I think that's all we have. Um, little previous predictions, got some news at you, little bar down bets action. Yeah, that's all we got. I want to thank George for coming on. Great to have you on. We'll make sure to have you on again at some point here once these playoffs get fired up and we check in on our previews and predictions. Um, so I just want to talk more on George's articles. Like I said, Friday, today, when we're recording this, the 24th, we released his round robin preview good analysis there we are scheduling to release his preview and uh there's some predictions on there there's actually going to be staff predictions more predictions than just me and chris more guys at the blog we'll have their predictions in there as well those will probably get released on wednesday and thursday in eastern conference and the western conference edition so be on a lookout for that from george um yeah that's it anything to add boys thanks for having me boys it was great joining you guys and uh yeah, definitely check out those articles if you're uh, interested and want to gain some insight in the playoffs. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Great having you on, George. Um, welcome. Welcome, Seattle. Welcome, first bandwagoners. Well, uh, let's go Devils, huh? Let's go Devils. Yeah. All right, everyone. Be safe. Have fun. All right. Thanks, guys.